The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, is sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, a leading Australian corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Focused on your vision, Barclay Pierce specialises in making it a successful reality. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stock Insiders with me, Oriel Morrison. Now, today we're delving into a fintech lender, the ASX-listed Plenty. The company offers car, renewable energy, and personal loans. The ASX code is PLT. The market cap at the time of recording, close to $127 million. And I'm joined now by the CEO and founder, Daniel Fogo. Daniel, welcome. It's good to have you back with us. It's great to speak again, Oriel. Thank you for having me. Now, it has been an interesting journey. We've talked uh, uh, to you before, obviously, about how you've come come along this journey and where you are today. But it's been a particularly interesting time over the last couple of years. I mean, you know, companies have had to deal with a pandemic. Uh, you know, there are supply chain shortages. There's all sorts of things going on in the world um, right now. How are you feeling about the past couple of years as we do start to almost normalise in a sense? Well, actually, the, the last few years have been really kind to us as a business. Um, I think the pandemic brought forward the digitization of a lot of things that we do and a lot of the things that we consume, and that is, includes finance. So I think now more than ever, um, if someone's thinking about getting finance to help them bring one of their dreams to life or help them buy a car to get to work or to put solar panels on their roof, um, the first thing they think about is getting online and going through that process of finding the right finance for them. Um, and so that what we've seen is actually businesses like Plenty take a lot of market share over the last few years from a lot of the large incumbents. And to put that in perspective, even in the last year, um, Plenty has grown its originations 135%. Um, so really quite significant growth um, with the tailwind of, of just changing human um, you know, consumer behaviours. It, changing consumer behaviours has been certainly a feature of, of the last couple of years and, and where we are today. Um, really, really interesting there. So, so, Daniel, it has been, as you've just been talking about, a significant year, year of growth um, for Plenty. Um, you've just hit a pretty, pretty significant milestone in, in terms of profitability. Yes, we delivered positive cash impact um, for the year to 31 March, and that's our first year of positive cash impact. And you know, it's really important to us to show that we've got a sustainable business by being profitable. And we think any any business should be measured on its ability to generate profits to show that it is sustainable and has a, a positive long-term future. So coupling our really strong growth with profits or cash in pet profit um, was a really pleasing milestone. Mm. You, you mentioned 135% increase in loan originations. Um, you know, that's a significant number. You've also got a medium-term target of reaching a $5 billion loan book. Um, what's the timeline on this now, given <laughs> this amount of growth that you're seeing? Well, if we just kept funding what we funded in the first quarter of this calendar year, which was $321 million over the three-month period, our loan book would eventually grow to a bit over $2.5 billion. What we've told the market is that our target is to grow to $5 billion by 2025. So what that really requires is a doubling of our loan originations um, each quarter um, before we get to 2025. And if you look at our historical growth track record, um, I think that 
gives one some confidence around our ability to continue to, to grow. I was just wondering if that timeline might have moved up from 2025, given this incredible <laughs> growth you're experiencing. Uh, yeah, look, we, 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 we've got a good track record and we talked about this in our annual results for achieving the targets that we set. I think it's also worth highlighting, you know, we're in a, in a quite a different market now to what we were six months ago with interest rates having gone up. And so actually our focus over the next six months is rather than really growing origination strongly is making sure that we earn good margins on our loans. So actually making sure we reflect higher funding costs in our borrow rates. And so our focus over a short period of time is, is really around you know, margin maximization, operational efficiency. And in the second half of the coming year, um, we expect to put our foot down again and, and really focus on that $5 billion loan book target. So you're growing right across your verticals, your lending verticals. Um, I'd like to start off by talking about renewable energy um, specifically, because you, you've, you've, you've focused now on energy retail partnerships and you've expanded, you've just announced an expanded partnership with AGL. Can you take us through what you're doing there? Yes, we, we identified an opportunity to grow into the renewable energy space back in 2017. We really liked um, you know, the characteristics of the renewable market. There were relatively few um, financial um, services businesses serving the industry well. We saw a need for a really transparent, good value offering. We liked the idea that we're lending to homeowners who were actually purchasing equipment that was improving both their um, you know, household budget and also helping our, our, our environment. So we've been consistently growing those originations um, since we launched in 2017. Last year, we, we grew the originations by over 70%, which was really pleasing. We've definitely seen um, increasing interest from energy retailers like AGL to have more of a presence in that solar and home battery market to help their customers invest in that equipment um, so that you know they they can you know, control their their energy retail bills, um, and also it provides an opportunity for energy retailers to operate what's called a virtual power plant, where they basically um, assist households um, maximise the value of their home battery um, across the grid. So we've been working with um, energy retailers, and, and you obviously noted AGL to provide a bundled solution where with one application journey, one seamless experience, the customer can sign up to an energy plan, have a battery installed to their home, have solar panels installed to their home, and and they can save a lot of money through doing that. It's certainly an interesting, um, uh, I suppose, take on, on how to fund these types of things because you save money, obviously, when you do have renewable energy systems in the home. Daniel, you're growing right across your lending verticals. Um, I'd like to start off with your focus on renewable energy and your expanded partnerships there because you're very much focused on energy re retail partnerships and I know you've just announced an expanded partnership with AGL. Yes, the renewable energy space is, is really important to us. Um, we fund um, solar panels and also home batteries and I, I, we believe we're the largest funder of home batteries in Australia. What we're seeing in the Australian market at the moment is a lot of the energy retailers are wanting to increase their presence in that market. They're wanting to help their customers um, get a, a home battery installed along with solar panels and to join a virtual power plant to reduce their power bills. And we can play a really important part in that regard. Through one application, a consumer can arrange for a new energy plan, a battery to be installed, 
and for solar panels to be installed, and then they have one simple monthly payment to make on the back of that, which will help them save a lot of money. And it's not only inside the home that you're focused on this as well. You've also done a lot of work into the economics of um, electric vehicles and EVs. Um, you know, you, you've done something specifically on solar charged EVs in Australia. Can you take us through the key findings? Because this is particularly interesting research. Yes, we, we commissioned Accenture to uh, prepare a report um, and it drew out some conclusions that we hope to see. One was that actually, if you take a longer term view over 15 years, the price or the cost of EV ownership is actually the same as what it is for a combustion engine. And that was actually done before fuel prices increased somewhat. So I think what you're actually looking at now is EVs are, are actually cheaper over their, their lifetime. Um, obviously, the upfront cost is a bit higher, however. Um, what was really interesting is what we saw is if you couple EV ownership with a home battery in a solar system, then you know the average household power bill reduces to about $230 a year. And that obviously covers not just your home, but a lot of your transport as well. And over the lifetime of your ownership of that those systems and your electric vehicle, you can save about $12,000. So we thought they were really interesting insights. Um, and look, we want to play, uh, you know, it will be front and centre in terms of helping Australians transition to EV ownership and drawing out the economic benefits of EV ownership, um, you know, is an, an important role that we see ourselves playing. So you're, you're, the numbers that you've come up with on this, um, on this research that's been done into EVs is the market size. Um, almost $9 billion by 2026 if you look at EVs and home solar battery system. Yes, that's the, the potential market mm -hmm. and that requires some strong policy support. And I think we're starting to see some good policy support come through from um, state governments and, and obviously we have a new government in place that is putting great emphasis on you know, the, the, the clean economy. So um, we're, we're hopeful that we can see the economy grow um, to a really significant number. Clearly, the deliveries of EVs is a bit of a barrier at the moment, um, but hopefully that does resolve it, resolve itself sooner rather than later. We saw we see a lot of latent demand for EVs. EVs only represented about two percent of the supply of vehicles last year, but we now see demand representing around. If you ask consumers, you know, if they're buying a car, do they want it to be an EV? That number is about seven percent. So clearly, a lot of short-term growth in terms of uh, you know EV deliveries. Out of curiosity, and given you've done this research, uh, uh, Daniel, and obviously not being a, a full expert in, in the area, when do you see the number of EVs sold actually overtaking those of petrol petrol cars, gas cars, diesel cars? Uh, I think one would be quite brave to uh, hazard a guess there, um, <laughs> but I would like to think that um, you know, in six or seven years, that we'll we'll see that um, crossover. I mean, you know, most people understand once consumers really get behind something, they can really move um, the suppliers, um, you know, quite quickly. And we've seen that many times before with, you know, consumers adopting new technologies. And it certainly seems to be the case now when you look at um, what's happening with, with manufacturers. And that's in part also pushed by regulations. If you look at, you know, different European markets and the emission reduction requirements, um, you know, the choice is also in some jurisdictions being taken out of the consumer's hands. Absolutely. Um, certainly in Europe, you're seeing a lot of that. Now, when you look at your um, your auto lending vertical overall, um, that that's been particularly strong for you. Um, and you've launched more recently your commercial 
lending there this year also. Um, take us through what's what's happening with auto finance. We're in a really large market in, in the auto space. So each year in Australia, there's about $35 billion of loans provided to people um, purchasing vehicles, be they new or secondhand. There's a very high propensity for people to take finance when they're purchasing a vehicle. About 90% of people actually take finance. You know, we had a really strong year last year. We grew our, our automotive originations 177%, which moved us to about $640 million of, of lending. But even despite that growth, we've still only got a 2 or 3% market share. We see ourselves as being able to build much greater market share than what we've got currently. Um, we are partly looking to achieve that growth through the launch of our commercial offering, as you referenced. So historically, we've just funded consumers but around half of the automotive market in Australia is small businesses and self-employed people and so on. And so we launched a product in May last year. We're just rolling that out at the moment and starting to build some scale there. And we think that helps underwrite our continued growth in the automotive space. Mm. Now, talk to me about, Daniel, higher interest rates and the expectations of higher interest rates and, and, and the impact uh, that it's having on, on your business. I mean, obviously here in Australia, we were just whacked with a you know, a, a double, almost a double rate increase. Um, many had expected that. Many had hoped we wouldn't get that. But how does this play out for plenty? Well, it, it affects us in a, a number of ways. Um, and I think the first to say is actually demand for for credit, um, we anticipate will be um, strong in a higher interest rate environment. If you actually think about the last few years, we've seen a lot of money put in people's pockets through having access to superannuation or, or you know, their inability to spend money or travel or do other things which which where you might actually spend money has actually meant we've seen some of our end markets reduce in size, for example, the personal loan market. So as we move into a more normalised environment and interest rates go back to where they were a few years ago, we think that's actually quite positive for the demand for finance. So I think that's the, the first point to make. The second point to make is obviously we're a lending business, so one has to think about you know what is the impact on people's ability to repay. Really pleasingly on that front, we've got very low unemployment in Australia, you know, about 3.9%. So we actually think the consumer's in a pretty good position given the, the savings they've built up over recent years um, and the high level of employment that we think, despite higher interest rates, consumers are in a, in a good place to continue to repay their loans. I think in particular in, in Plenty's regard, we're very much focused on the prime borrower audience. So we feel like we go into a higher interest rate environment from a, in a very strong position in that regard. Mm. Then finally, obviously the funding costs when we're lending out money, we gain funds from um, what we call the Plenty Lending Platform. We have over 20,000 mum and dad investors um, signed up and funding loans. Um, so we haven't seen a significant change in that funding cost. Where we have seen a change is through bank facilities that we have. Um, so, you know, there's an expectation or a need across all lenders to actually pass that on to borrowers, much like we're seeing in the mortgage market. So there clearly is a, an impact on what the rates will be for our, our borrowers over time. So, so essentially, you know, some of the higher funding costs that we're seeing are being mitigated through increases in borrower rates. Yes, they are. Absolutely. So, um, you know, there's normally a lag of a, a few months, but definitely there's an industry trend for for 
uh, higher funding costs to be passed on to end customers. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a bit of a process, um, but we've certainly seen uh, rates going up in each of our verticals. Now, you're also continuing to invest in your own technology, so your own proprietary uh, technology. Daniel, how quickly is innovation happening um, within Plenty, within the company? And, and what, what sort of exciting innovation can we see over the next 12 months? Uh, look, our technology is is absolutely the heart of our business. Um, we've got an exceptional um, development team. We own our own technology, which is an end-to-end platform. It is a key advantage that we have. It is fundamentally the reason why we've been able to grow so strongly um, since we launched the business eight years ago. Uh, it is why we're able to operate so efficiently. So it's really important to us that we continue to invest in our technology. We have a team of about 45 people focused on product and technology. Um, improvements at any one point in time. And so that gives us great confidence on our ability to continue to grow, to continue to drive efficiencies. Um, in terms of what that looks like, look, we're always innovating. We're always looking to bring improvements to market. Um, we're constantly rolling things out that um, just make it a, a better experience for our end customers, better experience for some of the partners that might refer us customers, be they loan brokers, be they renewable energy installers. So I'm particularly excited about what we're going to see over the next six months, which in particular will just make us faster and more efficient as a lender. What about additional lending verticals? Are they in your future at all, Daniel? Look, we we talked about growing to a $5 billion loan portfolio based on the existing verticals we're in, the existing things that we're doing, Mm. uh, personal loans, renewable energy and automotive finance. And certainly the markets that we're in uh, give us a lot of runway to continue to grow after hitting that that size loan portfolio. That said, we employ a lot of um, people who like to push boundaries and do innovative things. So I don't anticipate that our business will remain exclusively focused on our current verticals. We're always looking to con- to continue to diversify. The key test for us is: Do our existing customers or our ecosystem of six hundred thousand you know, customer profiles do, do those customers want us to offer a new product to them, or what does that look like? Um, and does it fit with our capabilities? Can we offer something different to market? So they're the the, the, the key measures by which we decide whether we'll launch a new product. Uh, I don't think we'll have something in market this year, but I would I, I would really hope that we've we've got a, a new product in market you know soon after that. Okay, I'm very much looking forward to watching that journey uh, very closely, Daniel. It's always a pleasure to chat to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And that wraps it up for this edition of Stock Insiders with me, Oriel Morrison. Thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, was sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, Australia's leading corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Barclay Pierce Capital provides specialised corporate advisory and equities trading services to privately owned businesses, small to medium-sized public and ASX-listed companies.